tonight, Steph Martin. Welcome to the show. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I'm actually, I just, I just nailed that. When I say that, I mean, I am in the habit. I just finally started re-listening to like how I, how I listen to, how I record podcasts and realize the first minute of every interview, I'm literally screaming into the microphone to try to bring energy. I'm like, I, today is going to be the day where I'm just, I'm going to be excited, but without yelling. Like basically what I tell my kids on a daily basis, I'm like I'm doing it on the podcast every time I need to chill. Be excited without screaming. You have kids. You know what I'm talking about. How come? Have you mastered this yet? I mean, you have four kids. Maybe they haven't. But have you been able to master excitement without screaming? Not yet. No, I don't think that one (laughs) has come to me either. I have a very excited personality and a loud voice. So I was just thinking when you said you didn't yell, then I was questioning, but did I yell in return? Like maybe you stayed calm, but I yelled. That would have been really funny if like I just talked in a normal <laughs> voice and you went, it's Matt Chittam talking with me, Steph Martin. That'd be funny. Anyway, um, I know everyone's listening. This is your first Really Runner podcast. They don't usually start like this, but I was really happy with myself for not screaming the intro. Steph, talking about being happy. You must be elated. You just had an unbelievable experience in the Indy Monumental Marathon. Some crazy weather conditions, my goodness. And coming off just a wild, um, you know, wild set of years. And, and, and it's just so exciting to see people, uh, kind of the everyday amateur runners, which this podcast is all about, doing exceptional things, especially when they're kind of building, building, building into that. So first of all, congratulations. And let me just, let's just kind of go back in time. When did... Indy, when did the when did this race um, sort of germinate for you in terms of something you wanted to build towards? Yes, well, thank you, Matt. Um, so I, um, in the past, so I have a 15 month old. So I knew that I wanted to run a marathon post baby, but I wanted to wait at least a year before I ran a marathon. Um, and then I decided on Indy because my sister lives close to Indy and my husband's family lives in Indianapolis. And so it just makes a lot of sense. And it's a great race. So I was that person who on New Year's Eve, most people were at New Year's Eve parties. And I, minutes before midnight, was sitting on my computer ready to be one of the first people to register for Indy because you get a discounted rate if you're one of the first. So I, that's who I was this year. So um, January 1st, right at midnight, I registered. And then it was like four minutes later, you know, I did as fast as I could. I didn't know how quick those cheaper entries would last. And then four minutes later, I was like, oh, hey, babe, sorry. Should I have kissed you or something at midnight? Like, <laughs> happy new year. <laughs> so what's, so what, what is what is higher demand? Taylor Swift concert tickets or... Indian monumental registration. Like, uh, were, were, you, were, you, were you close to not getting it? Or was it kind of like, oh, I could have done this tomorrow morning? I, I'm sure I could have waited. Yeah, that was like <laughs> the funny part of the whole thing is it felt really like climatic. And then you register and I'm pretty positive. I don't remember, but I think the entries were still very much like available. And then I realized like, who am I that I like to save $10? I spend my new year's eve doing that like i spent 12 dollars on caffeine so i could spend 10 so i could save 10 dollars at midnight right exactly so (laughs) that's just yeah so anyways and you've been on on my schedule for the whole year literally um and yeah so i've just been working towards it i ran a half marathon in the spring as kind of like a build up and then yeah went for it nice all right 
So obviously you didn't make your decision at 12.01 on New Year's <laughs> Day, I guess, at that point. Um, when did you decide, like, all right, I was, I, so you said you wanted to run a marathon a year out, gave reasons why, but there's marathons everywhere. It's probably marathons even closer to your home than Indy, right? So at what point was it like, I'm running Indy and these are the reasons and, and you know, maybe there's goals attached to it. Just just walk me through that timeline again. You've had, so this was your fourth child, you had set of twins and you've had um, two children after that. So, you know, you're, you weren't new to you know, post postpartum and things like that. So just walk me through the process of not only saying, okay, I do want to run a marathon, but this is the race and this, this is why, and this is like even the season, right? So you picked the fall as opposed to like maybe the, the later spring and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, I don't exactly when I decided to go for Indy, it was probably just a little bit before the new year. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think how far back you want me to go. You, like, are you asking kind of about like the whole postpartum thing, or why did I choose a year? Yeah, I guess I'm kind of like inching backwards slowly, chronologically, <laughs> and we we don't we don't have to go in that direction either. Um, you know, and, and we can go back even farther than that. If if it was just one of those things where even you know before your child was born, if you're like, all right, I still. You know that running, I want to stay part of my life, and obviously every child that you bring in uh, into the home, you know that that you know it's, it's like there's an opportunity cost, right, from a time perspective, right? The time yeah. continues to shrink, right? So um, obviously, you know, deciding to to say, hey, I want to continue to run, I want to run marathons, I want this to be part of it, not just run marathons, but you did exceptionally well in a in really harsh conditions. So obviously, you trained exceptionally hard so how about you just walk me walk me through that part or just your how you approach running in general you know kind of leading into the birth of your fourth child and then coming out of it as well because you know these things you know don't necessarily just happen right we don't just kind Mm -hmm. of like inertia our way into marathons right there's there's a a lot of decisions and then a lot of like all right do i still want to do this kind of decisions yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'll start, I guess, by saying that running has has been a part of my life for a really long time. So I started running in elementary school, and, you know, my parents would throw us, my um, brothers and sisters and I, in, like, some 5Ks and ran um, track in middle school, cross-country for two years in high school. Um, so, and running's just kind of always been my form of exercise, right, if I want to do something healthy. Um that's, I say that it's really the only thing I know how to do, um, which is pretty true. Uh, but so it's always kind of been part of my life. I didn't get, like, I was really a, always a mediocre runner though. Like I would just kind of run here or there, like, just like run a couple days and then take weeks or months off and then run. I don't know. So, um, it wasn't until after I started having kids that I started taking running a lot more seriously. So I'd say it was after my third kid that I, um, started running, much more consistently. And that's when I, after baby number three, about nine months after baby number three, if you kind of want timelines, um, is when I decided to start running again. And that's when I started like dreaming of um, qualifying for the Boston Marathon. So that is, that was like my big goal, which at the time was just like, I had never even considered the possibility of me running the Boston Marathon. I'd run several marathons before that, um, but I, again, I just was never consistent in my training. I was the runner who would, um, run maybe, maybe one five miler during the week. And then I would run my long run every weekend. And so like every long run was miserable though. I couldn't walk for like two days after the long run. Um, and then I'd run the marathon and I always did well for the effort that I put into training. Right. 
So it was after baby number three that I had this, like, or so because I'd always, I never really put that together though. That was because I was only like, I was inconsistently training or not training well, that that's why I never even got close to a BQ or anything. So I finally got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, like if I actually trained consistently, if I put time and effort into training, like I could actually do really well, I think. Right. Um, so, so did you, were you just chalking it up to talent in the beginning? Like why it just wasn't, you were kind of far removed from maybe some of the goal times or some times that you'd seen other people run? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think I've always been kind of a natural runner. Um, like I don't, I'm not like natural runner. Like I can be one of those people who these people do exist and I think it's amazing, but like they just train for a marathon first time out, like you can go around a DQ or whatever. Like, so, but I, but I am the type of person who even like, even when I don't run for weeks or months, then the next time I do decide to run, I could just like at least run three miles without stopping. Right. Like it was kind of a miserable three miles, but I could do it. Um, whereas I know a lot of people who can't do that. Um, which is like understandable. <laughs> I do think I've just kind of have this like kind of natural running ability or like, um, endurance. Um, I pretty, I think I'm built for endurance to an extent, but, um, yeah. So I think for like the minimal amount of training I did, I'd still go out and run like a decent time. So I do think that was like some talent or, um, just like kind of how I'm built. Right. And then, kind of lost track of your question sorry no but, absolutely um, absolutely and, and and you mentioned like that first you didn't you saw like the bq times right it sounded like you saw the, yes. some people getting bqs and then like you weren't kind of in that vicinity and like at first you didn't chalk it up to like oh it's because i'm not training like them like that's right that's the reason so did was there was there was there like did you just like not think about like that sort of thing before or were you kind of chalking up to a different reason why you weren't quite getting some of the times that maybe you saw other people were getting yeah, I think I just, I had never even considered it. Like, I remember my husband at one point, like, during, because he runs too, and he had been like, oh, maybe I would try to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And this is horrible of me, um, but he returned a favor later. Um, but I, like, kind of laughed at it, right? I'm like, what? Like, we're not those people, right? Like, we just, our times were so far off of what a BQ would be. So it just never, like, crossed my mind, right? And then, again, when I decided one day, that I could, and it was because, and this is kind of why I have a running Instagram account too, is like, it was because of an Instagram runner that I had that realization, right? It was like someone who did it before and then after, or like a beginning of their running journey to like, here I am running the Boston Marathon now, right? And like, so for me, and, and you know, the, the before or like the beginning of her journey was very much like, postpartum and like pretty overweight after having kids and right and I just like really related to that and then saw where she was and then I had that moment of like oh cool like I could do that right and um and for me at that point I think because I running did come somewhat easy to me I I think I I made that choice and I never like questioned whether or not it was possible like if I set my mind to this I really believe I could do it um and so then that's when I told my husband and then he laughed, which, you know, super fair. I did the same thing to him. Let's talk um, about that. Let's talk about that. So are you someone yeah. that feeds off that kind of like kind of screw the haters kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Or was that or is that kind of like, oh, what a bummer. Like, uh, I don't maybe, maybe maybe I can't do this. 
no, no, I have no problem with my husband laughing at me at that. It's like, okay, fine. Like, I'm going to show you. I, I, have, <laughs> I have no problem. And the race director for the Grand Rapids Marathon, um, right before this happened, I remembered, um, or actually I think someone shared the quote with me right away. I don't remember how it happened, but I had just seen this quote in it from Don Fern, the Grand Rapids race director. And it was like, um, something about like, tell everybody, um, because if, I wish I remembered the quote, I should put it on my wall because it kind of was part of what inspired me at the beginning of this, but it said something about like, when you dream big, like you tell everybody um, and you're going to figure out how to make it happen if everybody knows, right? So like, don't keep that a secret. So um, so yeah, I was like, all right, husband, like I'm going to show you and I'm going to show, like I like posted on my Facebook and on my personal Instagram account, like I'm going to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And um, then I created the Instagram account really for me it was about like surrounding myself with like-minded people right so I just started following a bunch of runners um and so yeah it was just my way of like okay like I'm committed to this and then of course being on a running Instagram account was um it was really good it was good for me just to see like other moms and other women and just other runners in general like going after big goals and like being consistent and doing that and um yeah, like there was a lot of, you know, people, there can be a lot of hate for like, you know, how much time I, at least I used to spend a lot more time on Instagram, on my Insta, running Instagram account, and I don't spend as much time on it. But I know there can be a lot of people being critical of that, but like, it actually was really good for me. And like the community that came from that, like really did help inspire me to, um, oh yeah, like, there's people who say going. bad things about everything. I mean, oh, come yeah, on. for sure. Right. That's true. I mean, shoot, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like, like those keto people make fun of candy. Like, how dare you? Candy's great. Let's <laughs> not make fun of candy. Um, so no, I get no because this is, but this is this is interesting, right? Because so many people, and I have so many people on this show, people who gravitate to it just from a listening perspective, right? Are a lot of the kind of people who like to see other people who they view as like, in some way, shape, or form, as someone like them. Right. Mm -hmm. Either overcoming a challenge or going after a goal or like, hey, like that person was down and out and then they, they, they rebounded back from it. Like what will happen in the future? Who knows? But like, look what they came back from. And I think that those sorts of stories can be certainly motivational and inspirational. But at the same time, they can also like kind of like set us up for like. You know, I, those they, it's kind of anything motivation, inspiration. Oftentimes, you think of like things that are happening at the beginning of a journey of some kind, right? Even if it's just like the beginning of a training cycle, or maybe the beginning of a year, or what have you. Um, but with those kinds of experiences, whether they're conversations that you've had with people, and or just like, hey, just kind of seeing someone's post and reading it and having some sort of reaction to it. Have you did you feel that more of like on the motivation, inspiration side of things for like, all right, getting back into it? Or is it more of like, hey, when things are challenging, like, all right, this is how I like I, this person responded. This is how I can respond. And or like there's another way of viewing it, too. Like, hey, it's just like the pause momentum. Like, hey, I'm running and that person's running and this person's running and and kind of keeping going almost kind of like a virtual run club in a way. Uh, yeah, I think I really appreciate it more as the virtual run club. I don't necessarily need other people to encourage me. I don't, it's not for me. I don't think as much of the feedback that I get from the account that has been helpful, but more of like seeing all the other people go after it and like day to day, the grind of it. Like it's not always fun. It's not always pretty. Um, but just to see other people like showing up and like, you know, I don't think I would have been even like, you know, I talk like guys is the one, right. And it's like, keep showing up. And, 
Um, so even for me to start connecting more with like elite runners, like I never without Instagram, like I don't think I would have connected as much with them either, just in terms of like following their accounts and like just being really inspired by them as well. So um, yeah, like I've I've really in, enjoyed that. I think you know as time has gone on, I've like changed a lot in how I view the account and stuff. So I actually try not to post as much stuff about like my personal times or how much I'm running. Um, like, I don't mind sharing that stuff with people who want to talk about it, but I know that a lot of comparison does happen in there. And I really believe like everybody has their own very unique journey. Right. And so, um, I thankfully have gotten to a point where, um, even if I'm going off of the same goal as another person, like I don't compare myself to them. I feel like very secure and like, this is the way I'm doing it. These are the times I'm going for. Um, but I know that's not the case for a lot of people. So I like try to kind of do what I can also to, um, I don't know. I just want to be an encouragement to people, but also, um, I don't want them to feel like them doing things differently or slower or faster is like wrong. Right. Yeah. I, I it's funny. I want to talk to you about this because this was not like one of the questions I was thinking about talking about, yeah. but I find myself thinking the same exact thing, but even then I'm not like, I don't feel strongly enough about to have like a really like well-formed opinion i just kind of vacillate back and forth because Mm -hmm. like i at the same time like the runners that i follow i like it when they post the times and stuff like that right and there are certainly times where the comparison game can settle in but like you know what like i found like that stuff comes up no matter what like there's no way for me to kind of disengage from that even if i'm like just like rehashing like 35 year old memories and I'm playing the comparison game, right? Like I, there's, there are, there are no shortage of things for me to like get, get down on myself on, even if it's completely fake and it's like 35 years old. Right. Um, and at the same time, like I found myself posting way less about my own running kind of like the same sort of thing. Like, Oh, no one cares about the time. And like, that's not, no, that's relevant. Like, but it's funny because I used to be very active with posting the kind of like the journey of it all. And the weird part is that, like, I actually like when people post like that. Like, I'm a big fan of it and I like following it, but I have kind of stopped doing it as much. And I can't even tell you, like, whether or not that was a good decision. I just kind of did. And I think maybe because, like, people, some of the people I was following started doing that. And I was like, oh, it's probably easier to not post this stuff. So I I think I just defaulted into, like, procrastination in in, in some sense. Um, Like, all things being equal, I will do less kind of feel to it um but i'm still not sure like what what you know how to go about it because i do i do enjoy following people who post that kind of stuff yeah no and i don't get me wrong either i don't think there's one right or wrong way to do instagram right and i think like you know and i do post some stuff right even times i just and maybe it's because i don't post nearly as much as i used to too so maybe it seems like oh if i post my training time today like it just seems really random and arbitrary because it doesn't even tell like oh yeah the whole story right but i don't know i did feel like i just heard a lot about like the comparisons and so i just try to do less but i will say too because you know i talked about using instagram as like to watch other people and so on. But I ha- I will say, this is one thing I miss about posting my times or even posting much more consistently um, is I love to go back on my own Instagram account and see like where I was at in different training cycles. Like a lot of those posts I could go back and, um, and like I'll remember that day, right? That day I didn't want to do hill work. And I decided like, okay, I'm going to just run up the hill one time stuff. You can do it one time. And then like, 
you know, and then as I'm running down the hill the first time, then I was like, okay, you can do a second time, right? Like, I remember that day and I do love going back and like seeing and even seeing like the progress. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll flip flop on it too. I don't know, Matt, but, um, and I was going to say the other thing is like, I've actually slowed down a lot on my easy runs. So I know I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about that too, but I've like jumped on that bandwagon at like, or but not bandwagon, like, you know, for years since I started training, I've heard like run your easy runs easier. And I just never did. Right. Um, and now I am. And so that is a time where, you know, if I am trying to like encourage people or something like normalize easy running or whatever it is, like maybe it would be helpful for me, helpful for me to post some of my like easy times. And I don't know. I don't know. It's all. All right. Let's talk no about that. Way. All right. There's no so, so what were some of the things that were different during this training cycle that from previous training cycles, right? So we'll just yeah. dive into, again, we, we, maybe we can talk about why they were different. We will pick and choose as we go through, but what are some of the, some of the changes that you made and maybe even talk about why you made them or maybe, I know you're working with A to Z running and they're great. Um, I was actually on their show, I think last year or something, but like they're, yeah. they're, they're fantastic, fantastic people. So um, what, yes, what were some of the changes that you've made? Maybe not even in this training cycle, but maybe more towards like this end of your running journey than maybe in the beginning. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd love to talk about that. So, um, yeah, so I'm working with Zach and Andy at A to Z running and I started working with them. Um, yeah, after baby number four. So that's like the biggest change. I had another baby. I had a third cesarean, right? There's a lot of recovery that goes along with that. Um, I, after baby number three and baby number four, I had diastasis recti. So that's for people who don't know, it's just like a really weak core. That's a very simplified version. Um, so there's like separation in my core and that's something I haven't really rehabbed as much as I should. Um, and so after baby number three, I, um, I don't know, like, I, I feel like my training was like pretty typical of what most people see, right. Where there's like decent amount of running. It's like higher intensity. You have like the anaerobic workouts, um, like you're running by, um, you're running, like your runs are all like mileage based and like pace based, like in general. Um, so that's so doing, doing like a lot of like quarter mile repeats, half mile repeats during the week and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be like a track workout and, um, yeah. And it was great. Like it would be for most people that works well. Um, and it's great. And so, um, I, my problem with that approach was like, part of it was my personality. And I think also like my weak core, um, I think my body, um, didn't like that. And, but again, it's like, if I was just doing the workouts as written, um, it probably maybe would have been fine, but I would like, my coach would give me like a pace goal and I would always felt like I needed to prove that I could run faster than that pace goal. Right. Um, yes. I'm so glad you're talking about this. I can't tell you how many times in my life and I'm jumping in because I know so many people feel this way. So I want to talk about this, that they view the paces that their coaches give them the same way they view speed limits when they're driving. They're like, that's the starting point. <laughs> We're only building up from there, baby. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. 
Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Absolutely. And and I think that for me, that was one of the traps of social media. And like when I did see other people posting their workouts or like them describing their workouts. And again, it works differently for people. This is where I had to learn not to compare to. But like I would he- hear people be like, oh, my easy days are easy so that my hard days can be so hard. And like the way other people describe them, it felt like to me, this is how I took it as like, Oh, like you're supposed to be fully depleted. You're supposed to give a hundred percent. Like today we die a little kind of feel to it. Today you die a little bit. Yes. Like you (laughs) should give everything you have. And that's how, even though I had pace goals, I didn't ever stick to those. I was always trying to push harder thinking I was trying to prove that I could get faster, that I was faster, all that. So again, that was, um, so I just had to, like, I ended up injured, right, a lot. <laughs> so I had, like, hip flexor injuries, um, which, you know, I spent a lot. That was my primary thing after two different marathons. So after the Shore Marathon in 2018 and after Erie Marathon in 2019, at both races, I, like, went to the start line pretty, in, like, borderline. Like, I was injured, but I was still going to race. It's it's hard not to run when you're like, I can run. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's the end of a training cycle. It's not a 5K, you know, it's a marathon. You're like, been talking about this thing. I'm building up. I spent the money. Like, if I can run, I'm running kind of feel. Right. And it is like, where is that line? Because like, I mean, for that, like, I don't know how accurate this statement will be, but I do think a decent number of people are like, almost bored. Like, something hurts when they start a marathon, right? Like... I don't know. But yeah, there's not people who are like perfectly healthy. But at the same time, like there's there's it's definitely a sliding scale. And it also like the is it the kind of injury that like once you hit mile twenty is gonna get exacerbated. Right? right. Like the kind of feel like obviously if it's a hip flexor, you're like the answer to that question is yes, it right. most certainly will be. Yes. So after two those two marathons, I couldn't walk for weeks. Like I was that person, like I don't know if Wall Series had a hip flexor injury, but it was like I was like walking into work and people were like get her a wheelchair like it was like because i could have like and if anything like shifted you don't realize how much you use your um, hip flexors to balance right and so i like if i kind of got knocked a little bit off balance would be like shooting pain i don't know so i spent a lot of time with like pt and all that and um they basically they're like that's oh, your weak core right and so that is like a big thing that i still even now know i have to work harder on rehabbing it's just been harder than i thought it would be to rehab um but anyways so after baby number four i decided to start working on zach and andy they their coaching approach is more like lydiard um like um, their lydiard is yeah. i don't know how much <laughs> like that your audience will know but basically um it's higher mileage, okay, and it's lower intensity. So you, um, we stick to like, but there's always the exception, right? But like for the most part, everything I do is upper. Like any speed work is going to be upper aerobic. We don't go into the anaerobic most of the time, um, which and then it's effort based and it's time based. So um, they never give me paces to reach for, right? Um, and even the runs that I do are it's not six miles right it's maybe like six 60 minutes right um and like it was a really for most people when you hear this like 
they hear this approach and they're like, there's no way I can't just run for 60 minutes. Like I have to have a timer. Well, let's, like let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the, the, yeah. the, the words that they use because everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, there's yeah. a lot of coaches who go by effort and there's a lot of coaches that spend a lot of time working on the aerobic capacity. Cause even at the, even at, even for top end milers, their race is 87% aerobic. We're talking people who run between 3.30 and 4 minutes in 1,500 yeah. to a mile. And if we're talking about, you know, women elites, then we're talking again between 3.50 and, and 4.15 for those same distances. So not a long time, but even that is 87% aerobic. So when you're getting a description from Zach and Andy about like okay. certain – well, I'll just give you I'll just give you a sample, right? This might not be one of your workouts, but it probably be some an approximation of like, okay, let's do you know three by eight minutes at at the higher end of like, you know, you know, what, what would be a description they would use for like the kind of effort you should be putting into that? Say it's three by eight mm-hmm. minutes at an elevated pace you can describe the pace and say there's like a two to three minute jog in between. Like how would they describe mm-hmm. the pace in that setting? Um, yeah. So, I mean, the one major workout we do is fartleks, right? So, um, and that's a lot of people are used to like structured fartleks where it's like go hard for two minutes or whatever. But um, so I just basically, we just try to play with speed, right? Like that's like, so speed play, I think is what they say is like the, definition of fart like right is that what um yeah, it is. and so yeah so i would just like go out but i just like run like i have no idea i'm not supposed to pay attention to my watch i just like you know how how far can you how fast can you run for like five minutes before without getting like really puffy puffy out of breath right because like that's kind of what i use as my gauge for um if that is going anaerobic is like how out of breath am i right like i shouldn't be getting to the point where i am really out of breath um, so it's just like, but I'll do like shorter segments. And then it's like, as soon as I get, um, so for a fart, like, like as soon as I start feeling like this is like, I'm going anaerobic, then I just cut down. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of, okay. That's, the yeah, fart leg, absolutely. I like that. Then, yeah. Cause like I, I have a coach that basically used this, basically coaches me in a similar way. Every coach, not every coach is the same. And I'm sure there's a million differences between our coaches, but in the same sort of way. So they'll say stuff like, again, say this workout you're talking about, right? Like five minutes, right? So say it's four to six times, five minute effort. So they'll say something like, all right, run this at 10K effort. It's like, well, I don't run 10K. So I don't even, (laughs) like, I don't like, what does that mean? I don't run at 10K, right? But it's the same sort of feel of like, okay, you're running, a little bit faster than the threshold pace, which means you're not going to be really huffing and puffing. It's kind of the feeling of like, okay, you're going to run fast, but smooth mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. Right. Yeah. And that same sort of thing. But with the, the, I love talking to you about this because obviously the, the focus here is building up the aerobic system and really not never going faster than like, again, a 10 K type effort or even a threshold right. effort kind of feel to it. Um, so I got to ask then mm-hmm. as you're using basically a whole bunch of words to describe how fast you should be going. Then ultimately like how fast you, you think you are going when it comes to a race day situation and let, we'll talk about Indy, but did you do any, um, any race prep like before Indy? Like, did you run any, any races ahead of time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so let me quick tell you too. So one of the other workouts that we do a lot that I've done a lot is like, they just call it a steady run. Um, so it's like your warm up and your cool down, but between that, so we don't do other than like the fart leg where you kind of are like stopping, starting, like that's kind of ish, interval ish. 
Um, but like a steady run is just going to be how fast, like, so most of my study runs are 60 minutes um, during the week, right? And so it's like, how fast can you go um, in that 60 minutes, keeping it steady and not going aerobic? And there was like a huge learning curve for this. For me, and this is still going back to why I think I was like injured more um, too before, is I, I never learned to listen to my body, okay? So that's been a huge piece of the training since baby number four um, is um, I... Like, I just never learned to listen to my body before. I was so oblivious to how it felt or how different efforts did feel. Like, I just was so focused on pace and, like, feedback that my watch was giving me that I had no idea how I felt or, like, if something was hurting that shouldn't or any of that. So um, so the steady runs were, like, the first thing, like, of practice where, like, man, the first couple steady runs that I went out on, I would just, like, crash and burn because I would start too fast and I would have no idea what it felt like. Of um, So then I was, like, you know, you're practicing your study runs and then you, um, and then they start getting longer. Right. And so then like learning what, so if you're going out for a hard run, what should it feel like for the first half? Like I thought the first half should feel hard because it's a hard run. Right. Um, but like, that's a lie, right? If once you start paying attention to what it should feel like, like you start realizing like, no, even on a hard run, the first half of a 60 minute run shouldn't feel labored. If it does, you're never going to make it this full 60 without going anaerobic, right? So a lot of it was just like a learning process process for me, learning to read my body. What does it feel like to be out of breath? Uh, or what does that mean if I'm out of breath, right? And then, yeah, again, the study runs just kept getting longer. We didn't really do a lot of interval runs at that pace. It was just like full blocks of time. So then, yeah, we got to the point where I did um, I ran the Grand Rapids half marathon in October. Um, and that was like one of my longer steady runs where I did like a little bit of a warm up before and I did a cool down after the race, but like the full race itself was supposed to be a steady effort. Um, and that race went really well. And that was, yeah, just practice for me going a faster distance and being able to gauge like, what does each effort feel like? Um, and so that's one thing, one of Zach and Andy's most recent podcasts actually was just about like, your expectations during a run and how that expectations feeling. So you have to learn, like, what do you expect each part of the race to feel like? Um, obviously, like I just said, I don't now, I don't expect, or I shouldn't expect the first half of a race to feel hard, but if it does, I know I need to dial it back. Right. Um, but then, but that's different once you get to like mile. So for the half marathon, like when you're at mile 10, like, okay, it's supposed to feel hard at this point, right? Right. The longer um, the race, the harder to, like, run by feel can be, yes. right? You can imagine, like, going 100 right. mile, like, what's my 100 mile effort pace? Like, right. I don't know. Like, it was, it was supposed to feel hard when I hit mile 80? Like, I don't, what does that even mean, right? Because it's like, right. it becomes a sliding scale. When the length gets longer, like, the gray area of, like, wait, what? what is this supposed okay. to feel like? It can get trickier. And that's the thing, even for a marathon, right? Going into a marathon, I don't, it's been a couple of years since I ran a marathon and it's been many years since I ran a marathon that felt good, right? So for me, even going into this one, I'm like, I don't really know. Like I have this idea in my head of what it's supposed to feel like from the practices, but I also, um, I also don't remember the mar- like the marathon effort is totally different. It's hard. So that also just takes practice and patterns like kind of where the patients came in. Even um, for me, I um, have talked a little bit on Instagram about how for me to start training by effort and just starting to like know my body, trust my body 
and also learn, take the time it needs to learn what different efforts feel like, even at marathon pace, um, like for a marathon, like it's really helped me become much more content um, in just where I'm at in each step of the process, right? Um, so for me, like, you know, when you run by effort, you're also like considering that there's so many different factors each and every day that's going to affect your run, right? So when you're running by effort, you're taking all those things into account all the time. I'm paying closer attention to how much sleep I got. I'm paying more attention to um, like just the stress in my day-to-day life and like, what did I eat? Like, I'm just starting to notice how those things affect me. And then you do start taking into account like the weather, like, okay, like, you know, even in my practice, like I, you know, if I know what I'm doing for effort, like, you know, and it was really crappy weather, like that it's just already assumed that like, my pace is going to be affected by that or the efforts. Yeah, of course. Efforts right. So if you ran, if you're in an even pace with wind, sometimes being 20 miles per hour in your face and sometimes 20 miles at your back, you'd be like, like, I'm doing this completely wrong if I'm running even pace through all of these conditions. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. So I think that that's the thing is like, I just realized like, I'm not even, even though I've had more, some marathons in the past, but like even going forward, I'm like, I can't just expect to do this in one swoop, right? Like just run a marathon and be cute. Like it just doesn't, for some people, some people can do that and that's awesome. I'm not that person. And I, but for me, if I go out by pace or like time goals, even if I know I'm not ready for that goal, I start thinking, oh, maybe it'll be my best day and everything will come together. And then the last two marathons I had, I went out too fast because I, was so focused on a time and a pace, even though I knew they might not be realistic. And then I just like fell apart, like after the halfway point, right? Like, so I'm just trying to avoid that. Let's talk about gauging improvement because this is one area that I still struggle with, with this sort of training where like, I don't train, like I took current pace off my watch. Like, again, I've said this on a bunch of podcasts, like I have one of the most expensive watches out there. Like I got a mm-hmm. discount on it. I bought it. I feel like I love my watch, but like I took a current pace off the watch. It's not even a nice. setting I can choose during the run. Okay. Yeah. I also cool. have like lap pace off the watch. Can't choose that wow. either. All right. So I have like, yeah. I basically have like total time, total miles and heart rate are like the only three that are even registering as a, as a choice that I can toggle between on the run. Okay. So okay. I'm I'm doing a lot of the same stuff that you're doing. Obviously, different training with yeah. different coaches, but the same genre of feeling of going about it. A part that I have struggled with is that for long term, not long, I wouldn't say motivation, but like it's hard to for me to stay completely engaged if I'm not getting some sense of how I may be improving. Right, mm-hmm. like I can't go bowling if I don't know how many pins fall down. Right. I can't yeah. just like throw the ball and be like, I hope that went well. Like, 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 I don't, I don't want to know that how many fell down. I don't want to see anything. I have to like, I'll go back afterwards and I'll look at like my, my, well, my, like me, not my splits. I'm not lapping it. Like I'm not pressing the button to lap the pace, but like, I'll see like, Oh, I was around this kind of pace during this section and, and this pace during that section. So I am keenly aware of what has, of what did happen after a run. I'm not keenly aware of what's happening during the run, but I feel like, and even if like that makes my coach upset with me, like I feel like I need that a little bit to like again be engaged with what's happening, with understanding that like I'm not going to improve like every week. I'm not expecting like constant, rapid, linear improvement. But like I also can't be completely blind to the experience 
in order to like, or else I'm just not going to be as engaged as I would want to be. How, how have you navigated that? Yeah, no, I actually am very much in agreement with you. I have, like, I still wear the watch. I still get the data. Okay. I, I definitely analyze the data after, after each run. Um, so I, yeah, I hope I didn't even make it seem like I don't care about that stuff anymore. Cause I definitely do. And I, um, I, I've felt myself getting faster, right? And I, um, and I also watch the data. Um, so I right because it's not I mean, an or situation. You can do both things. Yeah, I yeah, I think you can do. It's just like in in the workout, and I still get like nervous before workouts, and I still always like I'm still learning this whole um, approach too. So I still have the temptations to, um, you know, pay attention to pace or. Like, you know, if I don't change my watch, because I, I haven't taken those settings off my watch, which that's very smart of me. Um, but I haven't taken those. So sometimes, like, I do have the temptation, but I have been learning. Like, I never really believed I could run a steady pace for 60 minutes even without staring at my watch. Like, I thought, like, for me to be con- consistent at my pace, I need to be watching it. But, like, you know, I'm finally learning I don't have to, but I still have that temptation, right? Um or like I do still use my watch sometimes usually to make sure I'm not going out too fast. Like maybe I, um, that's how I use it. I use it as a governor more than like, all right, I need to hit this pace. It's more like, Oh, slow down, slow down, buddy. Right. Right. So if I know that like last week I went out at a certain pace and like just totally fell apart, then I, I sometimes will look at my watch just to make sure I'm not starting out too fast and just to help me slow down a little bit. But yeah, I definitely still look at the data. Um, I notice like improvements, like in, for me, it was actually more between the different training cycles where, you know, I, I trained for a half marathon in the spring. Um, and then, and now, and all of a sudden, like in the second training cycle for this marathon, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, like my steady paces are like, you know, for the spring marathon, it was like, oh, I felt like my, um, like after the fact, when I looked at the data, my averages for my steady thing was like 820 pace, right? That's kind of what I was aiming for to like, that's where I was learning was like pretty comfortable. Um, but then also in this time I'm like, oh, like I'm like at the eights, right? Like again, looking after the fact and then like, oh, I'm actually like this whole run was, you know, I close, much closer to marathon day, um, right before the Grand Rapids half marathon. I went out for a longer study. I think it was an 80 minute study run. And like, like it was an amazing run. Like I like looked like it felt great. And like, and then I'm like looking at the paces afterwards and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, like it was just like seven thirties, seven forties like in there. And Fine. I was like, where did that, is that that's how I felt. <laughs> that's how I, um, I absolutely felt that way. And I was like over the moon excited about how that workout went, like feeling so much confidence about where, um, where I was headed. Right. And so like went into the Grand Rapids half marathon, feeling a lot of confidence. Um, I am one of those people though, too, where, because, okay. So I say that I, um, am racing by effort. Um, and then I'm like not setting times or paces to my goals, but like, that's something I'm constantly fighting too, because even going into that Grand Rapids half marathon, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I like could do that, then I should be able to go into this half marathon and get a half marathon PR. And like, because right, racing is different, right? Because like, cause I was asking about this because when you're doing these steady runs, like you are purposely limiting yourself. Like, I don't want to get anaerobic. So like the obvious way to cheat this is to like 
go anaerobic in the steady run and then like be like see me look what i did like i didn't go i didn't like i did my steady run i went faster it there's a way way in which you can do this and have faster and faster times but not really improve you could just simply ran harder during mm-hmm. that hour maybe at the end of that hour and all of a sudden it may look a certain way when in reality you might not be actually running at the same effort level. You just increase sure. the effort and increase the pace. And obviously, when it comes to race day, if you're if you're racing the race, right? You're just like, hey, I'm mm-hmm. going all out today. You know, I'm going to push through everything. Like here we go. Like you're not going to like limit yourself in that situation, right? You're going to be like, hey, right. like I'm not going to stop at at this effort level. I'm going to go purposefully past that. That's why I signed up for a race. So I guess the first thing is mm-hmm. how like. This, this used the most recent study run example that you, that you just said, but you're, all of a sudden you're hitting 730s and you can feel yourself going faster. How, like, were you able to kind of hold, like, pull the reins back a little bit to make sure that you weren't just like juicing the run and that you were able to make it like an apples to apples comparison? Because I can imagine for myself that being a tricky situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think you're just asking more about the training run, right? So yeah, I, then, I'll, then I'll talk about the race in a second. Yeah. I, I definitely did. Yeah. And that's, a, but that's part of me, like getting to know myself and like learning through experience, right? It's definitely, I like came back from that run and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I did push that one too hard. Right. Um, but like, I, it did feel really good, but I probably went like, a little too fast for like staying in aerobic, right? Especially towards the end, it felt pretty like hard, but I was also like, I'm not strong now. Like, <laughs> right, right. This is fun, <laughs> right? It's like, you're doing this for, you're doing this to have fun. Like, let's do it. Yes. And that's kind of like the, so for me, I'm trying to learn like, okay, like there's- Right now, Andy's exactly like, what do you mean? Now. Let's do it, Matt. Shut up. We're trying oh. to coach around. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, but the thing is like what I've learned, and again, not that I, my previous coach didn't try to teach me this. I just didn't listen because I wasn't in tune with my body. Right. But like, there is a purpose behind every workout. And if I run too hard for a workout, then the recovery that is going to be necessary for that, from that run, it like undoes the benefit of that. Right. So, um, I don't know. I'm not saying that right. Probably. But, um, so for me, it's been like learning and like trying to train my brain, like, okay, Steph, you're going too fast. Like you need to be okay with cutting it down. Like this isn't a competition. Like this isn't the race. This isn't a time for you to prove anything to yourself. If anything, you could like hurt yourself more than you could help yourself. So I'm trying to learn. And like, so, you know, I'm sure I told Zach and Andy, like, okay, you know, I took that one like too fast, but it did feel really good. Um, and like through working with them and being effort-based and learning my body, I, and like how everything feels like, you know, they, there's times when I'd be like, oh, I'm so tired. Like my legs are really heavy. They're like, well, like, and I've been having to learn like, okay, there's always a reason. Right. So, and, and one thing I really actually agree with now, I drink, like I drank this Kool-Aid, I guess is, but I fully agree with this is most people think that if they're injured, it's the load, right? Like how much they're running, but it's actually probably the intensity, right? You rarely get injured from the number of miles. It's like, you know, you're running too fast, like your easy days are too fast or your speed workouts are too fast or whatever. So, or you're not doing, or you're not doing the strength training to maintain the load. Yes. Yes. So there's like, yes, other factors, but, um, but But you bring up a great point. I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's a really good point. Yeah. So like just if, at least if it's just between those two things, I know there's like a lot of other stuff too, but it's much more likely the intensity versus the load if you're injured. Right. And so if I'm like, Oh, I got this little tweak here, like, Oh, my legs are feeling really fatigued or whatever. Then like, 
they'll be like, okay, so where'd you go too hard this week? Like, was it your easy run? Like, but for me, it's usually, it, it usually is my um, speed workouts that I just got too competitive with. But then, then me learning like, okay, I got to do better because then I can feel that it's taking me longer to recover. And that's one thing that's different for me too from last previous training methods versus this one now is like I was running like close to 60 miles a week for many weeks in a row and my legs felt great right and versus I just always in previous training cycles like my legs were always achy like every single day my legs were so fatigued I'd walk up the stairs and be like oh my legs like how did I even make it up the stairs right um, and so for me, like, that's kind of now how I use as a gauge of like, okay, I probably did go too fast on that one speed workout, but like, um, but then I'm extra slow on my easy days. That's something I also wasn't doing in the past. Right. I finally like accepted that, like the slower I run on my easy days, the faster I can run on my hard days or like the quicker I can recover. Right. All that. Um, Let's dive so, into this because this, this you hit a, yeah. hit on a bunch of great stuff, and I'm like people are like, "Why, Matt? Why are you diving in?" There's too many, there's too many <laughs> things. There's so many great points that I want to follow up on because you're bringing up so many awesome things here. Let's talk about the 60 miles a week. You said that's the most you've ever done. This was a focus for mm-hmm. Zach Andy. It's a big part of their training. That's a huge number for anybody, yeah. and yep. especially for someone four kids at home. Especially if you're like, "Hey, I'm willing to go slower on my easy runs." So all of a sudden, okay, all right, hold on. So you're running more and you're running slower, which means you're spending way more time running than you normally did, right? Because mm-hmm. you put those two yeah. things together, that obviously makes a point there. So obviously, there's like you're like spending a lot more time doing the running, and you're really excited about it, which is like a really cool thing mm-hmm. to see. So before, so let's just talk about the scheduling part. Did you have to change anything with just like? the family set up or whatever to make it so you could spend more time doing the running that you envisioned? Um, so big change. I don't work anymore. So that is, um, so with three kids, I was a working running mom. Um, and after baby number four, I, I did not return to work after my maternity leave. Um, so yeah, that's like the biggest thing is I do think that right now for me being a stay at home mom, um, so it's, it works out to usually, if I get all my runs and I'm usually running nine hours a week, which is a lot. Um, and safety leadership is more than complying with rules and regulations. It's creating solutions that are relational, inspirational, and transformational. With that in mind, the board of certified safety professionals and the leadership experts at Dale Carnegie brings you my big safety challenge. A podcast featuring insight from proven safety leaders for tackling today's industry challenges and influencing positive outcomes in your organization. Real people, real stories, real impact. Listen at mybigsafetychallenge.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And what time, what time of day do you run? Because obviously you, you have a 15-month-old, right? So it's not, like, yeah. it's not like you're a stay-at-home mom and like the kids are like late teenagers where you're like, hey. Right. You know, see, like, kids, kids, you know, they're, they're independent at that point, right? Like you still have kids that are dependent on you. And, you know, yeah. I just during my years of COVID, like, you know, I was a stay-at-home dad because I did the podcast and my kids were stay-at-home because they, because, you know, they weren't going to school. It was COVID, the COVID times. It was so much harder to run than it was when I was yeah. working. I could just run on my lunch break and I'd come back and whatever, I'd do my thing. Like, so I feel like, again, I appreciate you mentioning that because it is a part of your life, but at the same time especially depending on the ages kid that you have your kids or the age that the kids are, I should say, 
it isn't necessarily like like oh I got all this free time now. It just means that like the timing of it can be different. Like so, when do you yeah. like, potentially go on your runs? Obviously, if you have privacy stuff, you don't have to say that. But like just 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 from a scheduling perspective, I know a lot of people are curious, especially when it's a it's a it's a you know an adult with kids and a family and they're and they're doing more exercise. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So you're right. Like when I worked, it sometimes actually did maybe feel easier to get my runs in because you'd have babysitters and like, you know, I could run during my lunch hour. Or like, you know, sometimes babysitters would stay late and I could run. Or, but for the most part, when I was a working mom, I always only ran in the morning. Like I ran in the morning, right? Like early morning. I'm not a morning person, but I just decided, like I realized if I want to chase these goals, like I have to run early morning. That's the only consistent time I could get it in. Um, so now I would say I run all hours of the day now. Um, so, which actually does add a, like an extra level of like chaos or, or I don't know what chaos, chaos is in the right word, but it just is kind of hard. It, it, it definitely sometimes. messes up with the eating schedule. I can tell you that. Oh. As someone who had to go through this, I'm like, when, when and how do I eat here? Because I have no idea when this run is going to happen. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just something that kind of ebbs and flows in like different periods of like, so when I had a baby, baby, um, so first of all, I did not start running, um, consistently for until play was at least six months old. Okay. So, um, I do, that's one thing I just want to encourage like other moms out there. Like if you, especially if you have a baby, like be patient, don't rush back. Like some of you may or may not remember that at eight weeks postpartum, I made this post that was like, oh, finally ready to get back at it. Um, and I was feeling that way at the moment. Um, when you are eight weeks postpartum, at least this is my experience, but I'm guessing a lot of people can relate to this. Eight weeks felt like a lot. Like I, and maybe it was because of social media or something, but like, I felt like, oh my gosh, like I'm eight weeks postpartum. Like I need to, like, I can I should start working out again or like I need to get rid of some of this postpartum fat or whatever. But like, well, especially when you have a newborn baby, like the, the days are long. So eight weeks of days is like the the weeks go by fast. The days go by forever. Each day lasts five weeks. I think, I think that's how, I think that's how the math works. Yeah. It felt like it for sure. And I, so I remember making that post like, Oh man, this is like way overdue. I should have started a while ago, whatever. And I'm so thankful for the people on Instagram who responded and they were like, like, I actually needed this, like reminders, like eight weeks is not a long time, right? Like that is not a long time. Be patient. And like, when I made that post, it was like genuine. I really did have a day where I was like, oh, ready to get back at it. But then I didn't. Okay. Like, so, and I don't think I did a follow-up post because I just wasn't very active on social media. So this is me telling you guys, like, I still took many months to get back to it. And I really do think moms do need to like have more patience with themselves and their postpartum bodies and whatever, because you have a baby who's probably not sleeping. Okay. And that is a big deal. And so, um, yeah, take the time that you need, um, run when you can, run run when it feels good, right. When you actually want to, when you need that time away and when you have the support so that someone else can take over, but like, try not to rush it. Um, I, and let's talk about the comparison game there for a second. Cause you talked about it before about like running times and things like that. I feel like when it comes to like parenting, the comparison game is far more insidious than it is yeah. with running times. And if you combine the parenting and the running, especially yeah. for mothers who are postpartum, like again, I've never been a postpartum mother, but I've talked to a lot of 
women who have and who who are and and just seeing people just talking just in general amongst themselves and being you know party to those conversations like i it must just be so hard not to compare yeah. when you see like it hey and, and, and even if like that person's not doing anything wrong like they're just doing what's mm-hmm. right for them and their body and they're ready to go and they're going it's like right. it's like but what about me it's like how do you not fall into a comparison there Right. And I rem- I actually do remember part of what prompted that post or like not the post. I like I think part of what made me start thinking that I needed to um, like that I wanted to get back to it was like, you know, it was right around. Oh, it was 2021. That was. Yeah, because there was Boston Marathon was in September in 2021. So that w- that does line up. OK, I was like, wait, this doesn't make sense because. Boston's in April and I had a baby in August. No. So it was in September that year. And there was a mom who um, was barely postpartum and she ran that marathon. Right. And so, and I saw that and I, and I, in my head knew that was stupid of her. And she said that in her post is, or she didn't say, I don't remember if she said it was stupid, but she's like, I know this isn't a good idea, but I'm going to do it. Um, And so, and she was very, like I think she was like eight weeks, maybe 10 weeks postpartum and run the Boston Marathon. And that's what made me, even though I knew I didn't want to do that, I also was like, but I can't even run one mile, right? Like, in some, So it was like the comparison for sure that kind right. of got me into this point of wanting to do that. But um, anyway, but yeah, so. That's um, a good yeah. point. And I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you saying that because like, that's, that's a big thing. And I don't want to like, and I don't want to assume that people who go back to running relatively quickly after a baby. I don't want to assume any of you who are doing that are doing the wrong thing. I'm not a doctor either. And I don't even know you guys personally. So again, I'm just, I'm doing to lay my hands off on that one. But I will say that like, even if like, you know, obviously there's probably people who, who, who jump into it quicker than they should and all of that. And there can be valid reasons for why they did. And maybe they'll regret it later. But even if like, Everyone does their own thing. They're advised by a doctor who knows about running and all of that. It can still be a huge range when people are ready. The, the yeah. amount of time is enormous. And it's like, God, it's so easy to compare. And I'll tell you what, Steph, like, it's why I don't have, it's why I don't do those podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Like the like, hey, yeah. I just, I, you know, you, oh, you get, you know, it's like you have a baby four months ago and then you ran this race. Tell me how that journey was for you. Even if that person did everything right. They advised by a doctor. They did all the steps they were supposed to. They felt good. They didn't put their body in jeopardy. It's just like, it's so easy for that conversation to trigger someone else yeah. in an unhealthy way. That's like, it's tough. I don't know. Yeah. And I want to make it clear too. I don't mean to cast judgment on that person either. Right. Um, I know she talked to her doctor and PT about it. And, um, and also I'm sure she ran a lot during pregnancy. That's something I did not do. Right. Like, so I knew, I know there's like a lot of other details there, but it still didn't change the fact that like me just seeing that was like, Oh, if you can run 26, I should definitely be running one or two or three miles right now. And I wasn't right. So, um, so it did, it is still that comparison and that doesn't say as much about her as it says about me and my insecurities, I guess at that time. But, um, but anyways, I don't know exactly. <laughs> no, but no, 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 no. Yeah, you devolved. Yeah, we started talking about that because okay. you were um, you wanted to, to let people know like when you started running again. Okay. Because yeah. we were talking about like your training cycle and and like kind of fitting our runs in and trying to find the time. And you were like, oh wait, hold on, I want to make sure everyone knows oh, like, I yes. didn't start running okay. until like I hit the six month mark. Thank you for okay. So yeah, so we're talking about when I get my runs in. 
So for a long time, I would only run. So I didn't start running again until play was at least six months. I think it was right around there. And then I intentionally was not running first thing in the morning anymore because I needed my sleep, right? And I was not getting a full night of sleep. Um, that was still really hard though, because then I was running in the evenings a lot after Mike got done working. And um, that's when my older kids were home from school, right? And so um, they started feeling like they weren't seeing me. And, you know, I think any mom can relate to this too. Like, I care a lot about my running goals, but there's a lot of other things too that I care about more or that I need to care about more. What? And that's so- <laughs> unacceptable. Unacceptable. I, I never want my kids to think I'm choosing running over that. Like that's always been so important to me. And like, there's always going to be times where I, like they're going to see me, like they don't want me to run. Right. I'm going to, right? Like there's a help. Right. They're not always, they're that. not always rational beings. You'd be like, no, listen. Right. You can do that for yourself. I'm going to go for a run now, right? It's like, yeah. Right. Yes. Now, there's always going to be, like, times when I do choose to run, and, like, I explain to them that that's what I need to do, and, like, there's good, healthy lessons there, right? But, um, but you know, if I'm running every day when my kids get home from school and they're starting to miss me, like, then that's a problem. So I, I kind of was, like, doing eating runs for a while, and then I'm, like, doing – finally, at once Clay, once Clay started sleeping, I started running early morning a lot again. Um but that, but then I was getting kind of angry at life. I don't, I'm not a morning person. That was really hard for me to get back into early mornings. Um, and I was just like after like the third or fourth day, and I was like, oh, like every, my alarm would go up. And it's because I wasn't getting back in the habit of going to bed early too. That's part of the whole dynamic. But now I run like now I'm like okay, I'm a stay at home mom. If I'm willing to push a baby in a stroller, then. Like, I don't have, like, I started realizing, like, I have options now because I'm a stay-at-home mom. So then it was like, okay, I can push a baby in a stroller sometimes. He actually was pretty good in the stroller. Um, I started running during nap time. I do, my husband works from home. So um, I have the ability to run during nap time. That is not working out so well. Like, that's what I have been doing more recently. Yeah, that can get tricky. Nap time can go from a stable block of time to unstable very quickly. Very, it's very unstable. Like then I got mad husband because the baby's crying and he's trying to do it. Like he's in a meeting. But then the other thing is like nap time. Like my, now that he's fifteen months old, or like you know once he once he started walking, I don't really get a lot done during the day when he's awake, right? Right. And yeah. so, um, so nap time's like the only time I can get anything done around the house. So it's kind of funny. Like for a couple weeks, I was running a lot during nap time, and like. Nothing. Yeah, like at the end of the day, it might be like, so did you do anything today? And I'm like, yeah, I did get out of school. Yeah, they're, but, they're little terrors, man. You got, they got to be washed nonstop, right? We all yeah. know this. Oh, gosh. But yeah, no, they, I don't know. My running schedule, I do try to run early mornings as much as I can just because that's like the least disruptive time for my family. Um, and then, uh, but, but really, I just run anytime. Like a friend asked me to run with her a couple weeks ago and like in the morning on a Saturday. And I was like, Oh, I can't like in the morning, like at soccer. And then I got like, my kids have soccer and then like Nita has gymnastics. And I was like, but like, how about two o'clock? And she's like, what? Like, I <laughs> and I'm like, she's like, you can do that. I'm like, yes, I run. Like, that's what I do is I, I don't usually know day to day when I'm going to run until like 30 minutes before. And then, yeah. and then I start, um, Oh, I will say, so that's the other thing that I should have always done before is I finally have accepted the warm up and the recovery time of running. So now that's the other thing is like, it's nine hours of running, but actually my husband's like, Oh my gosh, stuff. You're like 
doing, I, I do like 10 minutes of um, warm up and then summer jumping time too. I like it. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do my like three to five minute running routine. And it's funny because like you're like, it's only three to five minutes. Who cares? I can just skip this. But you're like, no, like, come on. Like, I always laugh. I'm like, all right. So hold on here. So like Scott Fawlhole and Emma Coburn think that warming up is important, but you don't. Like you, you are the special athlete in that group. You know, like, oh, Emma Coburn needs a warm up, but not Matt Chittum. No way, man. I am I am the elite athlete here. Um, it's like finally you're like, all right, hold on. If these people are doing it, what is my what can possibly be my excuse? My new motto is like, if you don't have time to warm up, then cut your run short instead. Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. No, I hear it. Yeah, because you're probably gonna get hurt if you don't do that stuff after a while. I did. Oh, yeah, I was getting. Hurt. Yeah. So, that's yeah, exactly. Lessons hard learned. I just wish other people would learn that lesson too. Cause I, Let's talk I feel about bad Indy. When they're injured. Yeah. Let's talk about Indy. Right, we're an, yeah. we're an hour in. You just had an awesome race. I love I love the, the I love the lead up here. You did a great job explaining so much <laughs> of it. And was this the first marathon that you went into where you weren't didn't have like a conscious? And maybe maybe you did have one. I'm just assuming you didn't. Because uh, reading your Instagram posts and stuff, but without having like a conscious pace or time goal. And not only that, but also being very aware of how you were progressing towards that goal in the race. And if that is the case, how did that affect like how you even approached the starting line and, and getting ready for, for the race? Yeah. Um, so I, I would say I have done some effort-based races in the past, but without realizing it. Um, you know, so my first marathon after baby number three, I know like in my, at the time, my mindset was like, Oh, like, I just don't know what I'm capable of. I'm just going to go out and run. And I didn't realize I was running by effort, but I was. But, like, and during the race, I was still staring at my watch the whole time. Like, oh, okay, like, good. Those are good paces, like, right? But I, like, did run by effort. And I always did feel like my – and then there was another race that was similar to that, but it was a half marathon. And I just remember always being – or those two being, like, I didn't go in with specific expectations. I just knew I had to like go out there and see how it felt and make decisions along the way. Um, yeah, I didn't call it effort-based running, but um, but I knew like in retrospect, I like knew those were really good races for me. And it's like the last two marathons that I went in with specific time or pace efforts that I didn't do well. And I didn't know how much that was just like a mental barrier or what, but yeah, so this was the first time, though, that I went into it knowing, like, like I had a name for it, like, okay, I'm going to go by effort. Um, I definitely, like I said before, I I still, like, what happened with the Grand Rapids Half Marathon is, like, I was, like, a week and a half before Indy, I did a 5K time trial, and, like, I got an, an unofficial PR by a minute, right? And so... Whoa, way like, faster. Yeah, it was, like, a big difference, like, and I felt really strong and all that so i still definitely had those temptations like to start being like oh could i be cute like i'm putting my paces in the calculators right i'm like oh what am i capable of but like you know the calculators give me different times and like and but for me also it just was taking like the fun out of it like i was coming from a place of being content and patient and like you know most of the training cycle it hadn't even I hadn't even been thinking about whether or not a BQ would be possible at Indy. Okay. So for me to like go into like the week and a half before to be like, Oh, I think I could be capable of this. Right. 
um, was it like it took the joy out of it and or not I don't want to say it took the joy out of it but it started I started putting a lot of pressure on myself and I started getting anxious about the race right and like and then so I had to be like no stuff like this isn't the goal right like the goal is to run the best that you can on that day and you don't know what that's going to be like also you want to have fun so you know don't stress about it if you don't do like if having fun if like running a little slower, just so you can also have fun is like what this race looks like, then what's wrong with that, right? So um, it helped actually a little bit that the weather wasn't looking great because it took some of that pressure off, I think. It took, um, you know, it just took the focus off of any times. But yeah, again, so I definitely had that temptation and like maybe if the weather was perfect, I would have gone into it too much with like a time or a pace expectation. But because, you know, leaning up to the race, I don't really, like, I do pay attention to the weather, but not really. I don't know if it's, like, an, I'm an optimist or, like, I'm in denial, like, if it's bad weather. But I just don't really, like, oh, weather changes. Weather changes, right? Um, so, well, and you live in a place with, with, with they can have such weather extremes. It's like, yes. what, what, what are we going to have something I haven't seen before? Like, what's what's the right. big deal here, right? I have, I own all the gear. We're fine. Right, right. That's the thing is, like, I own all the gear. I'm fine. Like, you know, I usually... It was, it was looking like it was going to be warmer than hope. Like, yeah, when you look in, I know you asked me why Indy, and there were a lot of other reasons, but definitely also you're like, oh, November weather sounds perfect for racing and like good times, right? So, you know, we start seeing like the warmer temperatures, but like I'm not really too intimidated by warm weather. Um, you know, we had definitely had some cold days and I'd been running in the morning, so it was very cold. Um, but but I also was like, oh, it wasn't that long ago we were running in the heat, right? And so um, so I personally just chose to start running, like, intentionally more in the middle of the day. Or, or yeah, that's, like, especially on the warmer days, just even if it was just, like, a mental benefit, right? I was like, oh, yeah, see, I'm still running in the heat. This is going to be fine. Um, and so, but, but either way, I, like, kind of was like, oh, it could change. And I, I usually just look at, like, rain and the temperature. I don't look at wind in advance. Right. I, don't know. <laughs> I agree. So, Whenever someone's like, it's going to be a windy day, I'm always surprised. I'm like, oh, I must have missed yeah. that. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. never like aware ahead of time that this was coming. Unless it's like, oh, it's like remnants of a hurricane's coming through. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Right. Like, no, I don't know what, like, this is maybe where I should start paying closer attention if I care about, like, what how different things make me feel. But, like, I'm like, I don't know what 15 mile per hour winds feel like. Like, is, like, what's normal? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so I went into the race just being, um, like, for for a while, like, with the 10-day forecast. And I'm like, oh, it's going to change, it's going to change. And I just was like, whatever about it. And then people are like, oh, no, it's, like, going to be horrible. And I'm like, so, I don't know. I still, the wind was horrible. But... Um, it was in the second half. So like, and again, just knowing the conditions, I was like, first of all, if it's going to rain, I'd rather it be warm ish and rain than cold and rain. Right. So that same was with like, the wind <laughs> and same with the wind. Yeah. So I'm like, I guess I'm kind of like an optimist where I never felt like it was terrible. Like, I'm like, okay, it's supposed to rain fine. Like we all know it can rain on race day. And then it's like, oh, wind. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's fine. Like, I guess I'm just, I don't know. I'm and we should tell people if but... they weren't aware, it was like, the wind was like 35 to 50 miles. <laughs> yeah. Like, I had, was... one of my athletes ran it. It was like, her, her sister took a video of her with one of those, like, you know, like the, the astronaut blankets that they handed out at the finish line. She's uh-huh. holding it up and it's like, 
she's about to, she's about to blow away. Looks like yeah. she's like base jumping, like it's like a parachute. It's like you can hear it like crackling in the wind. You're like, oh my god! It's just like a. It wasn't like they were trying to like, oh, we we caught it during a wind gust. Like this is how it's been for like the last hour and a half. Yeah, it was really. I think the thing that intimidated me the most was like the night before. Um, I let somebody else do the work for me. I don't look at maps and figure this out on my own. But I like someone else was running it. I was like, "Hey, can you tell me like at what point on the course is the back is the wind going to be to our backs or are we running against it?" And she's like, and she told me she's like, "Yep, you're going to have the tailwind for the first half, headwind for the second half." And I was that's the first time I was like, "Oh crap! Like this is this is serious stuff." <laughs> um, <laughs> so then I um, yeah I went into it and I was just like. Yeah, like it just that helped me like relax my goals. I knew I wanted to have a good race, but I just let go of any like time, like pace goals, right? And so went into it, and um, the first two miles were pretty slow, um, and but I was like okay with that. So I just always felt I think my fear was starting too fast, right? Um, so I guess like quick race recap i was gonna try to run like start with the 340 pacers um, and kind of see how it went from there but i can't believe that you were gonna run with the pace group after all this time running by field that you were gonna run with the pace group (laughs) no okay so so, that's just where i line up let's be i actually don't like pace groups you're right i do not like pace groups at all i feel claustrophobic in pace groups and i feel like um and i feel i don't like like feeling like you're in a wall of people or mm-hmm. I also don't like going through pace groups. Right. So I think like the idea was just, I didn't want to start too fast. Um, and so I was going to start like with or right behind the pace group and like stay with them for a little bit, but then run off of feel. Right. Um, so, but it, it didn't, it worked out just that um, I didn't see the sign. Like I got to the start line at the start time. Right. And didn't see any of the pace group signs. So I did get stuck behind a lot of like slower than me people, which is, does feel kind of stressful, especially when you're kind of like, you don't, you know, you care about tangents, but you also are like, stu- I don't know. It was, but, um, but it was okay. Cause the first two miles did feel kind of hard for me. Um, and so, and I, again, I know not to trust the first two miles for any run, um, and how that effort feels. If you saw my Instagram post, though, Garmin had the audacity to tell me in the first mile and a half that um, my, what is it called, performance condition, that it was negative four. And that I have was... never, I don't own a Garmin. I have a Coros. I didn't oh, even know what performance yeah. condition was. But I was like, I don't oh. know what that means, but it doesn't sound great. No, it's not. It's like, it's like taking into account like your heart rate and I think weather conditions too. Like it takes, and then it tells you how, they think you should perform that day and like negative four is not a good thing. Right. And that's like part of the whole thing with, you know, being on a watch, right. Or like when you have data on your watch, like how much do you let that affect your race? So I had to just like remind myself like, okay, I don't care what Garmin says. This is going to be a good day for me. So um, I was able to run with my friend for the first four miles. She was running the half. Um, and she's someone I train with on occasion. And so that was really nice for me because like, you know, she, and I kind of ran together the first two and then she and I both were feeling better after the two. And like, then it was like, okay, we're going to go like catch three forty pacers just as like a kind of a goal, but not knowing quite what that meant. Honestly, I didn't even know if the three, four, I was in the second wave and I was like, I don't even know if the 
340 Pacers started in the first wave or the second wave, right? Like I didn't know. Um, so it's just kind of a goal of like, okay, it's time to like pick up the pace. And yeah, from there, I just like, I just went and I, um, you know, my paces were consistent. Like I was occasionally, like I still had, I was not looking at my watch, but um, when my watch beeped for the mile markers, then I would sometimes, it would tell me my pace. And I had practiced like ignoring that. And I, I did ignore it a lot of times. I didn't really want that feedback, but like sometimes I would look at it. Um, but even then I was like, I don't even know what this means anymore in the context. Like I knew I had started slower the first two. I didn't know how that was affecting my overall pace. I also didn't know how well I was running the tangents, right? So like my watch would beep and like the mile marker on the course is like 50 yards ahead. And I'm like, okay, well, so like, so it, it gets to the point where like, like I'm getting data, but I don't know, I have no idea how accurate it is and that's okay. Like that's really the mindset I wanted to be in. Um, and so first half, the first half was great. We had the wind to our backs. It didn't rain as much as we thought it would, but it was raining. And then it's like, you can I, can I stop you there? All right. So you're running first half, right? So the wind is at your back. I worry, I worried about this with some athletes of like, if the wind is super strong and consistent, Mm -hmm. if you run completely by effort, is there a chance you can overcook your legs? Not your aerobic system, right? Because if, mm-hmm. like, if you're going by feel and your breath and your heart rate are always aligned, you're like, okay, like my, my aerobic system is, is working the way it should, but your legs might just not be used to the kind of turnover at, at, at that elevated pace for such a long period of time, especially if you have another 13 miles ahead of you. Mm-hmm. I just, I haven't seen a lot of literature on that because there's just not a lot of race conditions that you can even right. draw from on this, in right. this situation. So how did it play out for you? Is this something you were worried about at all? Or did it have an effect in the second half of your race that you went completely by feel with such a strong tailwind for such a long period of time? Yeah. And I didn't actually know, this is typical stuff, right? But I, I didn't really even notice the tailwind, right? And so I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I overthought it. I did know, like, I knew other people were like, oh, I'm going to try to bank time in the first half because of the tailwinds. And I'm like, I am not a believer in banking time in a marathon, no matter the conditions of the second half, right? But um, so, I mean, I think I thought about it because, and I just tried to keep that in mind of like, you know, I remember even in the first half, towards towards like you know getting close to the half i remember being like oh my gosh like i feel great and like maybe i will be cute today but i like brought it back even then i was like okay stuff like you have no idea what's ahead of you right now right so like dialing in i think i just knew i i had a lot of fear of going out too fast that day so i think i did not even related to the wind i think i just knew i was already airing on the side of going slower than what I could have, right? And not overcooking it. But um, yeah, so I guess I didn't think too much about it. But gotcha. but again, I knew I was going slower anyways. Um, but yeah, then we hit like 13 and a half and it was like just a wall of wind. Like you, t- you take a corner and it's just like, bam, you just run right into it. And I'm one of those people who has like race nightmares, right? Like recurring ones. And one of my recurring race nightmares is like that I'm running but like my legs don't like I'm putting in so much effort and you just don't move right um and like that's what it felt like for a second like water jogging (laughs) yes that's that's what it felt like for a minute but um but I was thankful like as I turned that corner I'd given up on finding the 340 pacers I had no idea where they were and like 
I was like, what? But again, I was just like running my own race. Like I wasn't actually trying to catch them anymore. I was just content, like running my own pace. Um, and I did have like the mental boost in the first half too, of like, because I started slower, I was, I was passing people. Like, this is a big race. There's a lot of people running it. And I was just like, very steady just passing isn't that such a mental boost it's amazing like it's like almost like throwing like three gels down like how that can feel oh yeah it was it was amazing it felt great i'm just like you know and i'm just like i had somebody who as someone who i know who races also who's like oh like giving me advice which you know that advice you don't really want and she's like okay for your race make sure you don't expend too much energy like waving to people or high-fiving them or like thanking people like just stay focused and i'm like in, in my mind i'm like man that sounds horrible like it, like it's not worth it to me anymore to run the best race possible if it means i can't like expend any extra energy even in the first half like and it's a positive and it can help job. you like yeah. it's proven that it actually helps performance. Obviously, you don't want to like completely zigzag the course, high, like you know, high fiving right. people. But like within yes. reason, like being like a happy person definitely helps. Right? Yeah. I like for me, that's like part of the fun of it is I just want to be encouraging and like you know, tell people they're doing a good job and thanks, volunteer, you know, stuff like that. So I can't say so thank it, you. I'm conserving energy. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I get to the third and a half and then I start uh, and then I see the three 40 pacers and I'm like oh they were still kind of a little ways ahead so I'm like but it was really perfect timing for me to see them because I kind of like that was the wall that I was like dreading running with but all of a sudden like the wind is so like it gave me a goal um I was like oh okay like if I can catch the 340 pacers I can run with them till mile 20 and tuck in and um have a wall, right? Like I can draft. I can be like, it made me feel a little bit like an elite athlete to like, think about like drafting off other people. Um, like don't be the lead packer or whatever. But so I like, I caught up to them. Um, and I ran with, but I only ran with them for about a mile. Um, I, I had, you know, I'm running with them still felt the wind. I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's some, like, I'm sure there's some benefits of drafting, but I'm like trying to tuck behind people taller than me. And I still felt that wind very strongly. So, um, so that was like one thought process, but I also was realizing like I was running slower. Like I had slow. Right. Cause you caught them for a reason. Yeah. Yes. Right. So I like was still passing people. I caught them and I was feeling great at that pace that I was running at. Um, and so like after a mile of running with them, I just, ha- I finally like processed that thought of like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm getting some wind protection from them, but like, I, I'm slowing down. Like that's, that's not, this isn't the point in the race where I'm like, I'm not choosing to slow down. Like, okay. So, um, and that's when I remind myself, like, I'm not afraid of the wind, right? Like, I'm not afraid of this. I, you know, it's like, for me, it's part of like the messaging positive, all those positive thoughts, right. Of like, you know, instead of pushing like against the wind or running against the wind, I'm like, no, I'm pushing through the wind. Like I'm like, I, I think sometimes wind actually makes me go faster because it gives me some an extra thing to focus on and fight. Right. Um, and I have a more positive, I can try to have a positive mindset around it. So, um, so I just was like, right. So you're not afraid of the wind. And if you are like, find someone faster than these guys to draft off. <laughs> so I, so that's what I like, and it was just kind of this game in my head. Like once I left that group, like the people weren't like that packed anymore. So I was still pretty much running by myself. But every time there was like this huge, like extra big gust of wind, I'd like 
kind of find the person in front of me who's taller than me and like quick, like, and I'm just, I don't know if anyone figured out what I was doing. They were probably really annoyed with me if they did, but, um, but it was kind of just like a silly thing in my head, I think more than anything else where it just helped keep me consistent and, um, keeping it like kind of fun. So, um, I don't know. It was like, I was still just running consistent though, I think. Um, and I, I was really afraid of like pushing it too hard. I was like, I don't know. Like that's something you can't practice in training is like how long so you true. race pace, like in the wind, right? Like, I don't know. So it, it was like fine. I was like definitely fighting, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't until mile, um, 21 where it felt hard. Um, like where the wind got really bad and I just started feeling like, you know, you're running all over ha- people's hats, right? Like everyone's losing their hats and like, and, you know, spectators are telling you that you're about to run, that you're running into a wind tunnel and you're like, okay, cool. Thanks. Like, um, and, and it was really hard. Like there was, I don't know if it's just because of where we were and like, yeah, it was just like, boom. and because I was running by effort, not pace, like I'm really glad I was running by effort not pace because if I was trying to hold on to that pace for longer then I would have totally tanked like you know just a couple miles down or um and 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 I probably would have been really discouraged right but instead I just felt really smart like okay I'm still fighting I think like the thing in my head is I had told myself that I like my previous negative thought processes are that I give up when it gets hard so like for me to be able to be like, I am going to slow down right now, but that's like the smart choice, not the you giving up or giving in. Like that was like a good mental change for me um, where, yeah. So I was like, okay, like, I don't know how long I can sustain this pace with this wind. So like, I'm going to slow down a little bit right now. I didn't like slow down a lot, but like, I'm going to slow down a little bit now. And then whatever I like, I'm going to conserve some energy. And um, then like the last three miles I can push. Right. Um, so, so that's what I did. I slowed down. Um, I definitely started slowing down more. It's like, you know, the, the, the decrease in pace. Like when you, when I looked back later, um, I knew I was getting slower. It felt really hard. Um, and I got to mile. And again, I had no real concept of where I was at time. I, I think this is the first time where it felt hard that I didn't know what I, where I was at pace wise or like time wise. Um, like I hadn't cared, hadn't cared, but now that I knew I was getting slower and had no idea, I just knew I was ahead of the 340 pacer, but that's all I knew. And I'd been getting slower. So by mile, and I, I kept thinking like, oh, because I slowed down by like mile 24, I'll be able to push. Right. Like I can like, but that never happened for me. Right. It never, I never got that. Like, oh, so, I mean, I think it's a good thing I did slow down how I did when I did, but I, um, I kept expecting that, like, I don't, like, I really still had this idea that for me to race smart would be to negative split the marathon. Like that was one of my unspoken, like, this is my goal because that's an indication of racing smart. So I think that's one thing I had to process later of like, I did not, like, I did not negative split. Right. And so I, um, but t- still me being like, but I never could have predicted what that felt like in that second. In order for and you I to still... negative split that race, you would have had to put out a shocking amount more <laughs> effort in the second half than the first half. Yeah. Like, so like, 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 forget about running by feel. You'd have to like, you would have to be looking at your splits to be like, no, right. I am. I, I can't run by feel. Cause if I do that, then I will, I will have to positive split because I'm running with right. the wind in my back. Right. Yeah. 
So like, and that's like the reflection afterwards of like, okay, Steph, like you had a great race. Like it's okay that you ran the second half slower because it was much harder on the course for that second. Well, like you would never, you never say that. Like if it was like, like you never say that if it was like a downhill first half and an uphill second half, you wouldn't be like a better negative split. You'd be like, no, why would I? That's so true. Absolutely. So yeah. So I got to mile 25 and I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like I, this, the two, the three forty pacers are probably right behind me. They're probably about to sail past me. Like I just started getting in this negative space of like, I can't push. Like I thought I was going to be able to push by this point. Um, and I bet they're going to pass me. So that's when I switched my watch face. I was like, I just need to know where I'm at. Um, and I, and so I did, and it like told me that I was like on track for being like quite a bit ahead of the three forty pacers still. Um, and so that like gave me a boost that I needed at that point just to like, I mean, I still didn't get back the pace that I had previously been holding, but I still was able to like run faster, um, last mile. So that felt really good. And, um, I was, I was really thrilled with my time. Right. So I, you know, again, talking about Boston qualifying and I had wrote written on Instagram, like I got, I got a surprising number of people um comment to me about like i'm so sorry you didn't beat you right well and, so let's say your time um, first what do you have for a time um so my time was 336.45 um so which was unreal <laughs> unreal yeah. it was a seven minute pr for me i mean that's after baby number four like i felt like okay i'm just getting faster and like the older i get so i'm 34 so i um have the so previously I was chasing a 330 for Boston, right? But like for me at this point, and by the time I would run, even if I did qualify at this race, I'll be 35. So I had to get a 335 for this race if I were to Boston qualify. Um, so I so I missed it by a minute and 45 seconds. And I had no, I had I was really happy. I was really, really happy with my time. Um, I had to, I did process that a little bit in the last mile of my race, because again, that's the first time I saw a thing. And I like, so that was the first time I saw like, oh, I think I'll actually be close. Like I knew I wouldn't hit it, but I knew I was going to be close. And then I just was like, I don't care. Like, I'm so happy with how I raced this. I knew at that point, as long as I got the 340, that it was a Chicago qualifier, which was like an extra goal in the back of my head of like, man, I'd be thrilled just to qualify for Chicago, right? And not have to do the lottery game. I haven't run Chicago yet. So, um, so yeah, it was like a mental boost in that last mile, just to know that I was going to get 340. And, um, and I didn't, like, I was so happy to even be close to a Boston qualifier. Like that was really right. exciting for me. Um, I had, it's not like 145 is like some sort of insignificant amount. It's like, it's, it's an extra like four or five seconds per mile. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously you were close, but it wasn't like you missed out by three yeah. seconds where you're like, right. Oh, yeah. if I had just like taken that corner better, I would have got it or something, you know? Right. And that's the thing is like, I refuse. Yeah, you're right. So minute 45 is quite a bit, but like, so. I'm, and I don't I say refuse. the negative. I just don't mean it. it's oh, easier no. to justify it. It's not like Absolutely. sometimes, sometimes like losing by 15, it's easier to handle than losing by one. Again, totally. It's yes. not like you lost by 15. I'm just saying like, it's not again, like my friend, Peter Bromka, like he missed out on OTQ by three seconds. Like, Ugh, like yeah, that, that ate at him for a very long time. And understandably so. I missed out on OTQ. By example, for example, by an hour and a half, it doesn't hurt my feelings, right? So yeah. it's like there's again to, to go by the extreme range here. Absolutely, and I was like, I just refused to play that game. Like I, I was happy with what I did. So like, part of me, of course, was like, oh, maybe if because looking back at my splits, like I'd been running like a, like around an eight minute pace, 
And like mile 25 was a nine minute pace, right? So of course I'm like, oh my gosh, if I could have just like maintained that, like, or, like I, I just chose not to spend, of course my thoughts went there very briefly, but I was like, I'm not going to spend that much time like trying to figure out where I could have gone in minute 45 or even even 15 seconds or, you know, and of course part of me was like, maybe if I would have stayed with that pace group until mile 20, I would have conserved enough energy to have been able to push. But like, but that's like the game that I just don't want to play. Like I, right. those thoughts always are going to cross, I think across most people's minds, but I was like, no, I'm like so happy with how it went. Um, like, well, your execution was, was great. You ran a 336 on an incredibly yeah. tough day, incredibly yeah. tough. Right. And I know, and, so that's, I mean, again, and I'm not saying we, we should all look back on races to see what we can learn from them, right? They're all learning experiences, even if they go unbelievably well. So extracting, you know, the, the extracting the learning from the tuition you paid is is an important okay. thing to do. But at the same time, like, oh my God, you did it! You did it incredible! Like, what what a performance! Thank yeah, thank you. And again, my last two marathons, I'd like fallen apart part way through, like half through. So even the fact that I just felt like, like I remember at mile twenty being like just having that realization of like, I still, I still, even though I slowed down partway through, I still felt very strong the entire time, if that makes sense. So, and so at mile like 20 or 20, or I think it was like mile 19 or 20, I just remember being like, having the realization of like, by now at this point, I had already like totally fallen off. Right. So even just being like, I still feel strong at mile 19 and 20, like, so even that alone, I was like, I just feel like I regained a lot of confidence that I had lost by, um, by not doing well in my last two marathons. So, um, I mean, we all have bad races, right? Um, so, but the more we can learn from those um, and not make those mistakes again, <laughs> so I'm sure I'll like make mistakes again in future races, but hopefully it's just not to like start out too fast or whatever, but either way. Yeah, no, I was really happy with that one. So it feels kind of bad. Sometimes you feel kind of bad. I know a lot of people had bad races. So sometimes you almost feel bad, like really celebrating yours, but, um, yeah. No, I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not celebrating in spite of other people, right? You're not like, Hey, I passed that person who like went out too fast and you know, like you're rubbing in. It's like, Hey, no, I ran my race and I ran well. And I think we should celebrate that. And there's people who may have struggled that day and maybe it was beyond their control. And there's people who maybe learn from the experience. Right. And you, you, you take it from there and, and you know, you did a fantastic job and you should, do nothing but celebrate, and and yeah. it, it really is remarkable. And and you know, I think everyone else who, even if you had a challenging day out there, like you should celebrate that too, because running a marathon is freaking hard. And also, it's racing is like one percent of the races of the runs we do, right? Yep. So it's the it's, the tra- it's it's in the training where we really uh, should revel in the experience. But Steph, congratulations, not Thank only on a great race day, but you know, in, in symbiosis with what I just said, like on just you know on coming back and and putting in a ton of excuse me, it's a ton of great work leading into the race and, and adopting a new mindset. And it seems like all the changes that you put into training uh, certainly helped, which is always, and, and we're, we're useful, which obviously is yeah. nice, right? It, it stinks when we, we, we change things up and all of a sudden we're like, oh, that was a huge mistake, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, but it's nice when it works out and it, obviously it certainly did. So congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it, Matt. All right, so we talked about Instagram before. Before we get going, last thing, if someone does want to follow you, as we know, you post a little bit less than maybe you did in the past, but still, mm-hmm. you're a fascinating person. This was a great conversation. <laughs> if someone does want to follow you, where can they do that? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram as mama underscore aspiring underscore Boston. 
Mama Aspiring Boston 26.2 with better scores. So. And you also find that link in the show notes because I know no one's writing all of that down. But we, she is there. You can check her out. Steph, I've been following you for years and years and years and years. I'm so glad that I have. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Matt. I think I was one of your first listeners, by the way. So this is oh. very exciting. Yeah, thank can you. you can, can you go? Can you go back in time? Do you, do you know when the first first episode was of the person? Or I, I anytime someone says that, I have to ask. I I don't remember. I'm sorry. That's I don't okay. Know if that makes me sound like a liar. That I've been one of your first no, listeners. no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. But I knew this though. I mean, it's not like it's not a, it's not a shocking revelation. Um, so no, I, I'm not I'm not surprised. But it always is funny if someone's like, "Yeah, Matt Kelso, episode 6 I'm like, "Oh my god, going all the way back." I I remember those names, but yeah. Anyway, so you've been here from the Thanks. beginning. That's great. Yeah, I, absolutely. If someone's listening new to the podcast right now. I'll just tell them, don't go back and listen to those. Those were not good. <laughs> I've gotten a lot better since then. <laughs> Great guess. Questionable host. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, all right, Steph, have a great night. Thanks, Matt. You too. Bye.